Welcome back to Psychic Crime. I'm your host, Nicole Mann. I want to thank you guys for listening. As always, I know this is a difficult time. Some of you are still self-isolating or self-quarantining. As I explained in the last episode, for those of you who may not have listened, my um, podcasts have been a little bit erratic in the schedule due to the fact that as a social worker, I'm an essential um, employee here in the United States. I have been working from home three days a week, but that doesn't necessarily mean I've been just in my apartment. Um, I've also, um, my job has uh, 14 families in a shelter that I look for housing for, help them get uh, money to help secure the housing. And then once they move out of the shelter, I work as an in-home case manager to help them make sure they have the skills to maintain that housing. So currently I have 20 families that I do in-home case management for. So the days I work from home, I may actually be doing food pantry runs, trying to secure toiletries, dog food, diapers, um, formula, things like that. Um, Just doing wellness checks on people, maybe also dealing with child services. Um, Just because people are in self-isolation, the other things haven't stopped Um, Also protecting people's tenancies. Yes, landlords are trying to take uh, advantage of the situation. We're lucky enough in the state of the United States that we live in that they have passed laws to protect people's tenancy uh, temporarily so they don't have to worry about being evicted for um, inability to pay their rent. It is a very short-term solution, but it's going to help me find ways to help my uh, clients. But it is a lot of work, a lot of phone time, a lot of Zoom conferences, but I am outside as well as in the shelter, sanitizing, helping people with their needs in the shelter, um, just in case somebody gets sick, um, helping them be prepared. So um, it's been very busy, overwhelming, a lot of stuff. So I haven't been um, on my regular schedule and I do apologize. So I tried to do two this week for you guys. Um, And I am gonna try and go live on Sunday. When I go live, um, that was originally Dumber Than a Sack of Hair was going to be the podcast that I did for uh, patrons, but I've decided to make that what I do when I go live. And I'm gonna try and go live for you guys at least once a month. Um, And I'm gonna try and go live Sunday. And we're going to, at least I'm gonna try and do um, couples guide to not getting murdered. So as long as I don't get called in, we should be all set. But once again, I just want to thank you guys for continuing to listen. I hope that I've given some those of you who are self-isolating something to do, something to focus on. And I just appreciate um, all the love that I've been getting from those of you around the world. And like I always say, show your support. Uh, give us five stars on whatever platform you're listening to us. It helps us get into those algorithms so that we can be um, on those recommended lists. Um, So we would really appreciate that. If you want to show your love, I'm going to be restructuring the patron page, but you can sign up as a patron through Patreon. The link will be um, down below, but you also can stop by our Venmo page and do a one-time donation. Um, Obviously, stuff is really stressful out there for everybody. Um, Any little bit, dollar, dollar fifty, anything helps. So I appreciate that. Um, This week, we are going to look at Ira 
the unicorn Einhorn. And the reason I chose him is in honor of Earth Day. He is considered to be one of the founders of Earth Day. Um, so, and this is also a continuation of my uh, series on counterculture. He was considered to be a very high profile figure in the counterculture movement. So let's get started. People experiencing delusions of grandeur see themselves as great, highly accomplished, more important than others are even magical. The delusions may be persistent or it may appear only periodically. Some people with delusions of grandeur also experience other delusions, such as fear of persecution or unusual religious beliefs. However, a delusion of grandeur is more than just very high self-esteem or an inflated sense of self-importance. It marks a significant disconnection from the real world. A person with delusions of grandeur may continue to believe in the delusion in spite of contradictory evidence. Delusions of grandeur can manifest in virtually limitless ways. Some of the most common types include an inflated belief in one's own importance, such as having the power to end war, a belief that one is famous or occupies a high position in society, a belief that one is a religious leader, a belief in one's ability to live forever, a belief that one cannot be harmed by disease or injury. An inflated sense of intelligence. This is huge. You see this a lot with cult leaders, uh, the inflated sense of intelligence. A belief that one possesses magical skills, such as the ability to read minds. Once again, that's a big one with cult leaders. Cultural factors can affect the content of a person's delusions. This is because culture affects a person's knowledge and what they believe about the world. Something that is considered to be a delusion in one culture may not be a delusion in another. A person believing in their own greatness is the hallmark of delusions of grandeur. For the belief to be a delusion though, it must be unreasonable and incorrect. That's like Muhammad Ali believing he's the greatest boxer of all time. It doesn't make him delusional. He was the greatest boxer of all time. For instance, a person who claims to be the president of the United States when clearly they are not is an example of a delusion of grandeur. Or someone claiming to be the greatest president of the United States when in fact they were or are the worst is a delusion of grandeur. There may be other symptoms along with an inflated false belief of one's own importance. They include difficulty getting along with others because of their delusion, a persistent belief in the delusion in spite of contrary evidence, dismissal of or anger at people who refuse to accept the delusional belief, persistent attempts to get others to accept their beliefs, behaving as if their beliefs are true. Why do I feel like I'm reading about the president of the United States? All right, sorry. Experiencing other delusions. Because delusions of grandeur are usually related to a mental health condition, most people with the symptom also experience other mental health symptoms. An estimated 10% of the general population experience some level of delusions of grandeur. Several mental health conditions make these more likely. Conditions that can cause delusions of grandeur include schizophrenia. Schizophrenia is a mental health condition characterized by delusions, hallucinations, and difficulty distinguishing reality from fantasy. Around 50% of people with schizophrenia may experience grandiose delusions. This condition can cause unusual thought patterns, changes in mood or behavior, difficulty focusing, memory issues, and difficulty performing daily tasks. People with schizophrenia may have several delusions that affect their daily lives. However, I need to break in and say, 
just because you have schizophrenia does not mean that you automatically have don't they aren't exclusive they don't necessarily go together i have a very very good friend who has schizophrenia he didn't have delusions of grandeur at all um he had auditory hallucinations he heard things he didn't hear people's voices he heard um static like tv stat he heard static he didn't see things he didn't hear voices he heard static um and he never had delusions of grandeur. He never believed he was any greater than he, he was. So schizophrenia and delusions of grandeur or visual hallucinations, delusional state are not, they don't go hand in hand. They're not mutually exclusive. A similar disorder, schizoaffective disorder, can also cause delusions and hallucinations, and it can be mistaken for schizophrenia delusional disorder similar to schizophrenia delusional disorder can cause delusions of grandeur people with delusional disorder however do not experience the other schizophrenia symptoms such as hallucinations so the difference is they're saying people are delusional people believe things are going on that are not going on they believe they have a bigger place in this world than they really do they have a greater importance than they really do but they're not hallucinating um, the way that someone who has schizophrenia may hallucinate. They're not having wild mood swings. They may, aren't going to have memory issues, those kind of things that um, someone with a schizoaffective or schizophrenia would have. Bipolar. Bipolar is a mental health condition characterized by periods of depression and periods of mania. Uh, this is usually the mental illness that people are most um most aware of um the mania usually in television and movies is people who are really happy and they want to go do crazy things and take rides in cars and do dangerous stuff and then they get really sad and they don't want to talk to anybody that's not always how bipolar is um someone close to me has by couple multiple people close to me have bipolar and that is not how it is at all um not at all <laughs> Um, everybody experiences everything different um, and it can be as simple as uh, their mania is limited to one behavior I, I have someone in my life whose mania was them shopping they would spend money they didn't have out of control that was their manic behavior and then when they would the mania would wear off they would go back to normal life like they would it was like it didn't happen and they didn't have as much of an issue with depression. I know somebody else who had severe issues with depression and didn't really get bouts of mania that much, like not to the point that it was noticeable and there were noticeable behaviors. So it's different for everybody, um, but it's always depicted in TV and movies. Like there's a massive up and then there's a massive down and it's not like that for everybody. Um, during times of mania, a person may have a highly inflated sense of self, and this can manifest as a delusion of grandeur. I would see that delusions of grandeur as part of bipolar aren't as common. Um, that's kind of a, I would take that with a grain of salt. That's, that's not as common. Around two-thirds of people with bipolar may experience, yeah, that's way too high. Two-thirds of people with bipolar may experience delusions of grandeur. That's, no, uh-uh. Narcissistic personality disorder. In most mental health conditions, people with the same condition may have very different personalities. 
Personality disorders directly affect the personality fundamentality changing how a person relates to others and themselves. People with narcissistic personality disorder have a greatly inflated sense of their own importance. They seek validation and flattery and believe themselves to be special and unique and lack empathy. A person with narcissistic personality disorder may have a sense of entitlement that leads them to act in ways that other people may find objectionable in order to obtain admiration and special privileges. We've talked about narcissistic personality disorder before on this show. The thing about narcissistic personality disorder that a lot of people don't understand is narcissism itself comes from a place of extreme, extreme low self-esteem. So their lack of self-esteem causes them to seek out the spotlight, causes them to seek to be the center of attention, to have everybody focus on them. Um, they need you to take that sense, that inflated sense of their worth. They need you to keep that inflated sense puffed up. So you need to constantly be feeding into that and validating them. That's why they constantly are seeking validation and flattery because you need to keep their ego and their sense of self-worth puffed up because their esteem is bad. They do not think much of themselves. But if people are constantly telling them how great they are and they're constantly allowing them to be the center of attention, then they're constantly being puffed up by those around them. And people who have, there are certain types of narcissistic personality disorder where people will do literally anything they will hurt people in order to maintain this position where they're the center of attention and everyone, all eyes are on them. So, um, yes, having delusions of grandeur when you have narcissistic personality disorder is not uh, very far-fetched. Brain injury. Damage to the brain can sometimes change the way people think, potentially causing delusions. Brain injuries may also cause hallucinations, memory problems, personality changes, and difficulties with basic skills such as reading. Many brain injuries are due to trauma and being hit in the head during a car accident. Brain lesions, strokes, and brain tumors can also damage the brain. Treating delusions of grandeur can be difficult. These delusions may feel good to the person who experienced them. Moreover, because people with delusions truly believe that they are delusions, they are often resistant to treatment. Antipsychotic drugs are often helpful in treating delusions due to many of the above the aforementioned causes. People with bipolar may need to take drugs such as lithium or other mood stabilizers. However, people with delusions may benefit from talk therapy to help them cope with their delusions. Group therapy can help a person to develop healthier relationships with other people People with delusions related to personality disorders may need comprehensive ongoing therapy to offset the effects that the delusions have had on their personality. Delusions can be difficult to treat. Treatment often focuses on managing and reducing symptoms rather than curing underlying conditions. Depending on the cause, a person with delusions may need to take medication or have long-term therapy to manage their symptoms. Sometimes one treatment may stop working, so a person has to try a new one. A willingness to experiment and seek help from a trusted medical provider can help with managing delusions and related symptoms. So this is why a lot of people who have any kind of disorder that comes with delusions or hallucinations, this is why a lot of times people have difficulty managing their disorders. You will take a medication, it will work for years, and then suddenly it will stop working. People will be hesitant to take other medications a lot of times the reason they quit taking medications is the side effects are too much for them to deal with so when they find a medication that does work that doesn't have side effects 
they are extremely hesitant to try anything else. They will want doctors to up the dosages to levels that are not healthy um, out of desperation before they're willing to try other things because they've been down the path, they've had horrible side effects, and that's the biggest reason a lot of people go off mental health medications because of side effects, not because they like what's happening to them, not because they want to play a victim. It's because they've been through horrible side effects and they just can't do that anymore. Um, so it is difficult when you have to constantly keep reevaluating your meds and people who've never had a loved one with mental illness or who've never been through mental illness, they don't understand that. It is not a situation with mental health. It's not a situation where they give you a med, you're all set, everything's good, and you can stay on it the rest of your life. Um, as your body chemistry changes, people go through menopause, all kinds of things can happen to you. You can get pregnant, you could, you know, anything can happen to you that could cause you to need to take different medications. Uh, stuff just wears off over time and stops working. So people constantly, that's why you constantly need to see a doctor. You have to get your med levels checked so they can see if the medication is working. And if not, they can adjust it or change your medication to help you. And a lot of people who don't, aren't familiar with uh, mental illness, they don't understand this. They don't understand that's why people keep changing their meds or they don't understand why someone went off their meds. Well, their doctor may have pulled them off the meds because they need to be completely weaned off before they can put them on a new med. A lot of people don't understand. It's not as simple as, okay, just stop that one, start this one. A lot of pills are counteractive. They can cause problems if they're mixed together. So a lot of times it's a process and it can take years to find medications that work once you come off of one. So uh, a lot of patience is involved when dealing with someone who has mental health issues that, that require medication because it can take time to find the right medication and get them in a good place. So um, you really need to be patient and they also, you need, it's important to continue checking in with a mental health professional at least once a month so that they can keep track with you. They can make sure that you don't have any side effects and that everything is uh, going well. Um, so Ira Samuel Einhorn, who was born on May 15, 1940, was an activist in the 1960s and 1970s. Einhorn was active in the ecological and anti-war groups in 1960s. At one time, he was a friend and contemporary of Jerry Rubin and Abby Hoffman. Now, for those of you who don't know much about Abby Hoffman, um, Abby Hoffman was a big part of the Berkeley um, anti-establishment scene in San Francisco. Um, he was a big part of the movement down there. They had an issue at one point where they tried to make it illegal to protest. Um, I will get into that further in another podcast in the future. He also claimed to have been instrumental in creating Earth Day in 1970 and participated in the Earth Day rally in Philadelphia that year. However, other organizers of Earth Day dispute this account. He was known to some of his supporters as the unicorn, as Einhorn is the German word for unicorn. He studied in Pennsylvania and had a five-year relationship with Molly Madu, who was from Tyler, Texas, and graduated from Bryn Mawr College in suburban Philadelphia in 1977. Madu broke up with Einhorn. She went to New York and became involved with Sal Lapudis. When Einhorn found out about this, he angrily called Maddox to come back to Philadelphia, which she did on September 9th. However, she was never seen in public again. When questioned, 
Einhorn stated to police that she left to make a call and never came back. His alibi began to crack, however, when neighbors began to complain about a foul smell coming from his Powell Town Village apartment. 18 months later, Madhu's decomposing corpse was found by police in a trunk stored in a closet in Einhorn's apartment. Einhorn's bail was set at $40,000 at the request of his attorney, Arlene Spector. Einhorn was released from custody in advance of his trial by paying 10% of the bond's value, or $4,000. This bail was paid not by Einhorn, but by Barbara Braunhoffman, a Montreal, Canada socialite. The Braunhoffmans owned the world's largest distillery, Seagrams. In 1981, days before his mortal trial was begun, Einhorn evaded bail and escaped to Europe. Einhorn traveled in Europe for the next 16 years. Along the way, he married Annika Floden. Back in Pennsylvania, though, the state convicted him in absentia in 1993 of the murder of Madhu. In this, what that means, for those of you who don't know um, much about the American justice system, and it's very, very, very rare that they do this. Um, when you run when you abscond, they can try you without you being there. Like I said, it is extremely rare that they do this in the United States. They really only ever do this when it is a murder, a sensational murder, one that's all over the headlines. And when it is a person that they really don't believe they're going to get back. So they didn't think they were, that they were going to find Einhorn. They didn't think he was going to come back to the States. So they went ahead and tried him in absentia. There's been one other case where someone has been tried. I did a podcast before where Britain tried an American woman in absentia for rape. So it, it doesn't just happen in the United States. It, it happens, but it's extremely rare for it to happen. Um, he During this trial where they tried him in absentia, obviously he wasn't there to put on a defense for himself. Um, he was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. I mean, obviously they found him guilty. He was not there to put on his own defense. In 1997, Einhorn was found and arrested in Champagne-Motan, France, where he had been living under the name Eugene Mallon. The extradition process proved to be more complexly envisioned and pitted against each other the different interpretations that France and the U.S. have of the right to a fair trial. Under the extradition treaty between France and the United States, either country may refuse extradition if it finds the defendant may not get a fair trial. Einhorn's defense, among whom the Human Rights League, argued that Einhorn would face the death penalty if returned to the United States. France, though, had abolished the death penalty and does not extradite people without the assurance that they are not going to be seeking the death penalty for them. But Pennsylvania authorities pointed out that the date of the murder, Pennsylvania did not have the death penalty. So they're saying, hey, we have the death penalty now, but at the time of the murder, we didn't have the death penalty. But it actually shouldn't really matter because he wasn't sentenced to death. He was sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. So 
I don't understand why they're even discussing it. Like, they may have the death penalty now, but that's not what he was sentenced to. Um, the second issue, French law and European Court of Human Rights require a new trial when the defendant is sentenced in absentia, hence was unable to present, present his own defense. On this basis, the Court of Appeals of Bordeaux rejected the extradition request. So basically, France will not um, send him back to the United States because he was tried in absentia and found guilty. And they're afraid that if they retry him, he will be found guilty again and given the death penalty because Pennsylvania now has the death penalty. Is basically what their argument is, is that we're not extraditing him because you already found him guilty. And if you do overturn the trial and give him a new trial, we're still not gonna extradite him because it's in a state that has the death penalty. The court's decision infuriated many in the U.S. where it was ascribed by some as political posturing from the French government. Even though the decision was taken by an independent court, 35 members of Congress sent a letter to President Chirac of France asking for Einhorn's extradition. Under France's separation of powers, the president cannot give orders to the court and does not intervene in extradition matters. As a consequence of this refusal, in order to secure the extradition of Ira Einhorn, the Pennsylvania legislature passed in 1998 a bill nicknamed the Einhorn Law, allowing in absentia defendants to request another trial. So, in other words, you can be tried in absentia, you can be found guilty. However, in Pennsylvania, just Pennsylvania, you have the right to request a second trial if they do catch your ass when you go on the run, which caused, is what caused them to try you in absentia to begin with. But just in case, if they do catch your ass, you can say, okay, now that I'm here, uh, I want a second trial because that life in prison shit's not fair, which is BS, but whatever. Another point of friction that the U.S. had was that Ira Einhorn under police supervision, was that the French freed Ira Einhorn while he was under police supervision. French laws put restrictions on remand. On remand is how long a, um, someone can be held when um, they are charged with a crime. The imprisonment of suspects awaiting trial, that's remand. Einhorn was then the focus of intense surveillance by French police. The matter then went before Prime Minister Lionel Jospin, since extraditions after having been approved by courts must be ordered by the executive. Meanwhile, Einhorn supporters alleged that he had been unfairly treated by uh, the American criminal justice system and that he perhaps would not receive a fair trial. Not to sound bitter, but welcome to the American justice system. Most people don't receive fair trials. Uh, surprise, most people don't receive trials at all. So the fact that they're even considering giving him another trial is much fairer than the majority of the people who go through the justice system in the United States. Just saying. The French Green Party in particular complained that Einhorn should not have been extradited until matters concerning his trials are fully settled. In some respects, the debate took political character. The scope of arguments exceeding the particular case of Einhorn and widening into criticism of the American justice system and its unfairness for some categories of defendants. There were also concerns that the case against Einhorn was politically motivated. Because of the sensitive nature of the case, 
Jospin took some time to research the decision, but eventually issued an extradition decree. Jospin was then criticized for some as having caved to political pressure from Bill Clinton, the then U.S. president. Einhorn litigated against the decree before the Council Ed d'Etat, which ruled against him. He then attempted to slit his throat and litigated before the European Court of Human Rights. On July 20, 2001, he was finally extradited to the United States after French authorities were promised that he would receive another trial and would not face the death penalty. In his second trial, he took the stand in his own defense. Einhorn claimed, <laughs> sorry, sorry. Einhorn claimed, this is where delusions of grandeur come in. I, Einhorn claimed that Madhu was murdered by CIA agents who attempted to frame him for the crime due to his investigations into the Cold War and their use of psychotropics in it because that's not delusional at all. However, the jury did not find his testimony credible, duh, and affirmed his conviction on October 17, 2002, after only two hours of deliberation. Einhorn is currently, Einhorn was incarcerated in the state prison at Holtzdale in central Pennsylvania until April 2016 when he was transferred to SCI Laurel Highlands, a minimum security prison that provides care for inmates with health needs. However, just this month, only 20 days earlier, April 3rd, on April 3rd of this month, April 3rd, 2020, he died due to long-standing cardiac problems. So yes, that is the case of Ira Einhorn who um, spent his most of his like life lying. Like he took credit for uh, being the founder of Earth Day, being um, a big part of counterculture. And the reality was he was more of a fringe person. Like he did go to many of the rallies. He was part of the movement, but he didn't organize the movement. He didn't create the movement. And that was much of his life, telling people who he's more important. He was a big part of counterculture. So um, he's a lot like, um, so there's a lot of people who claim to be bigger parts of counterculture than they really were. Um, he's one of them, but what he's really known for is killing his girlfriend, fleeing to another country and creating a political firestorm over extradition. So like I said, I'm gonna try again uh, to do a live stream for you guys Sunday. If not, um, either way, if I do or not, the next um, official episode of Psych Your Crime, we're going to look into the Black Panthers, um, continuing with our counterculture. That's probably going to be two episode um, situation because there's two different sides to the Black Panthers. There's the side that did the free lunch program and took care of many social issues within the community. And then there's the side of the Black Panthers that was involved in a lot of issues with JFK and COINTELPRO. They were targeted. Many of them felt the need to flee to countries like Cuba. They did get involved in things like um, airplane hijackings and things, but it was very politically motivated. There's just a lot going on, and the history of the Black Panthers is loaded and very long. So I'm going to be doing a two-part episode about the Black Panthers, about um, counterculture, the impact they had, and the things that they did that were accused of, they did not do, and how they intertwined with so many other groups like the Brotherhood of Internal Love and um, the Weather Underground. So in the meantime, I hope you sleep better knowing the how and why people do such awful things. <laughs>